0: Oh, wow. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Well, good morning, Greenbelt. I, good morning. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to be here, not only in, you know, my role as, you know, pastor's wife, my role as being a part of this church, but also to come, uh, with my role of, uh, being a part of Safe Families, which I'm going to be sharing a little bit more with you at the end of the message. And I have my awesome colleague here today with me as well. Her name is Debbie McPhail. And so she'll be coming up as well, sharing a little bit with us and, uh, at the end of the message, and, and then we have a table out back in the cafe if you have any questions and want to know more about what we're up to, so that would be awesome. So um, today I have the honor of sharing God's word with you uh, in a personal way, so while um, giving you an opportunity to put into practice in meaningful ways, however the Lord chooses to uh, nudge in your heart, and so there'll be definitely opportunities for that. So the Lord will rejuvenate his people. That's the name of today's message. It comes from the New English translation and is the heading uh, that I chose from the very famous passage because there's different ones with different translations uh, from Isaiah 61. I could very well have used exaltation of the afflicted, the year of the Lord's favor, announce freedom for the captives, or even Good News for the Oppressed. No matter what you call this very famous passage, uh, there's an excitement that builds just in the title. And I've chosen the New English Translation title because I think it carries a buzz or a charge of this passage, but it also fits perfectly with the topic that I was given for today. So that title again is, uh, um, The Lord Will Rejuvenate His People. If you are God's people, the Lord will rejuvenate you. So how many of you would say that you love to memorize scripture? I can literally count. I can count to one. That was easy. <laughs> Two, three. Okay, very few of you. And I believe you me, I can understand that. So few hands, three that I saw. I'm sure there's others that were just a little shy. But was this something you learned as a child? Did you learn it in Sunday school? Was it something that you were discipled in, perhaps? Um, maybe you enjoy uh, that practice and you're just minded that way. You love to rehearse. You love to go. Maybe you're an actor. Maybe you love to rehearse and go over and over your lines. But for whatever reason, there's very few that had their hands go out. How many of you do not enjoy the practice of Bible memorization?
1: memorization.
0: hmm I'm seeing more hands. Yeah. And I heard Bible memorization. Like, what is that? Maybe you think you're too old for it. Uh, maybe you think, oh, I can't do that. That's not going to stick anymore. When I was a kid, I could memorize, but I can't memorize anymore. Um, Maybe you prefer just to get the gist of what the word has to say, and that's good enough for you. I'm hoping to shake us up just a little bit today as the Lord shows us how and for what purpose he rejuvenates his people through deeply knowing his word. Bible memorization. Can I be really honest with you here today? We're good, we're friends, great. We're all friends here, I can be honest. I have spent much of my Christian life actually wanting nothing to do with Bible memorization. When I heard somebody, you know, say Bible memorization, like that was me. Absolutely. I thought it was legalistic. I thought uh, that's just for people who want to show off how, you know, <laughs> the academia or, or the theological knowledge and all that kind of thing and puff themselves up and go, I can recite scripture. That, that's what I thought. That's, that's how I saw things and um you know i want to at that time when i had that mindset all i really wanted to do was chew on the scriptures i much preferred understanding the word being able to kind of be washed in the word chew on it go a little deeper squeezing every little bit out of it that's what i enjoyed but i i've learned over the years uh that actually these two concepts Bible memorization and what I enjoy, Bible meditation, they actually don't need to be split apart, and both can be true together. Um, I had to actually repent of my disdain for Bible memorization, and I came to realize that I had robbed not only myself, but my children of that practice, and when I realized that, I thought, wow. Wow. I need to repent to this. This is something that when time went on, and as I realized that it's not just for legalism, it's actually to have those scriptures hidden deep inside my heart in order to fight the good fight. We're all in a battle. If we don't have scriptures deeply embedded within us, we don't have what we need in order to fight that fight. And we're all in it. Don't you know, don't fool yourself to think, yeah, no, I'm not in a fight. If you belong to the family of God, we are all in a battle. So if my story sounds anything like you, I'd encourage you to repent. We all need God's word. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And the interesting thing that I never realized is that the very thing thing that I was trying to avoid doing but the very thing that I actually was doing, I was memorizing scripture, but in practical ways, by looking at the scripture, chewing on the scripture, I, you know, kind of pulling it apart, look, you know, squeezing out every bit of what I could squeeze out of it over time. That scripture was not just rehearsed and recited, rehearsed and recited like that whole academia, you know, academia thing that I didn't really want or legalistic thing. It was scripture actually getting into me and making its way in and through me and then finally being hidden in my heart for those times that I needed it. So today we're going to talk about the Lord rejuvenating you and I through meditating on God's word. Did you know that memorization is an extension of meditation? In your study guide, this is what we're going through, right? In your study guide, uh, Abide, it says this. In meditation, you weigh prayerfully, thinking about, listening to, or chewing on the Bible. You listen to God's word, rehearse his works and deeds, think about his laws, ponder his promises, and hide his word in your heart. As you do all this, the Spirit takes such efforts and sparks something on the inside, helping you to endure. You'll feel as if you've been personally addressed and boosted. How many of us need to feel sparked on the inside and personally addressed by our Lord and Savior this morning? See a few more hands going up for that one right we need that we need the personal touch of god in our lives and one really awesome way is through his scriptures so we're now in week 10 of our abide series and in this series and also within our devotional time as we get into it and as we get into it more and more in our groups we've been delving into various ways that god can speak to us it's refreshing right we need to have that we need to let the lord speak to our souls So today we'll spend some time in two passages that I would consider to be markers in my own spiritual journey over the years. Passages that the Lord has used to prepare me for ministry and that the Lord has used to propel me into ministry. I've always loved meditating on the scriptures. But maybe we can just start with um, a word of prayer as we go a little bit deeper in. Heavenly Father, I just pray this morning that uh, you would direct our time together, that as we um, look at these scriptures that you have used so deeply in my own life, that you would bring something fresh and new for each and every one that is here today. We know that your word is alive. And so, Lord, we just pray that you um, yeah, have your way in and through us and this church and each of us individually today. In Jesus' name, we pray. So if you have a Bible with you today, I'd encourage you to open it up to Isaiah 61. And I, wanna, I want us to camp mostly in there for today. We're going to go a bit deeper into this very famous passage. Today we're going to look at this big idea. Jesus cleans us up to send us out. Jesus cleans us up to send us out. There's a first and then a next in that big idea. We sang this morning about Jesus washing us and cleaning us up, and we can can certainly be enjoying that grace, but for what purpose? So that we can bring what we have and offer that to others. Jesus invites us into his family. He cleans us up and anoints us for his mission. And our mission will always include bringing comfort and healing to a hurting world. And we'll see that here in Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests for the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance." And so you will inherit a double portion. In your land, an everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns herself with her jewels for I, sorry, as um, As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up, and the garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all the nations. It's a beautiful passage. And the purpose of Isaiah 61 is really to prophetically introduce the Messiah, the coming king who will fulfill these prophecies foretold about him. It's about Jesus coming to make all things new. But it's, about, it's also about the role of his church. So we can even see ourselves in this passage the rebuilding of ancient ruins, and setting captives free. This prophetic, poetic book is addressed to God's people way back when, in the 8th century BC, bringing a message of hope and comfort for the future of those who are in exile in Babylon. Now, it starts off right at the beginning with this really cool word, anointing. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is the prophet Isaiah who's speaking. But let's look at what does that mean? What does that word anointing mean? Really, it means to rub, sprinkle, apply um, an ointment or oily liquid to a person. So in the Old Testament, literally, they would anoint with oil. Uh, For example, priests were anointed for their spiritual service to the Lord. Um, Literal oil would be applied, but it would really be as a sign of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, as Christians under the new covenant, we also have an anointing. But you have an anointing that comes from the Holy Spirit. So the same way that the Spirit was upon the prophet Isaiah, he is upon and with us. Because there's something pretty cool that we learn down the road after we flip through our Bible uh, a ways. But I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. So in the New Testament, anointing has the idea of being filled with and blessed with the Holy Spirit. It's something that uh, is a common property of all Christians, all of us, but something we can and should become more submitted and responsive to, perhaps. And so there is that slight difference from Old Testament to New, but same idea, the Holy Spirit coming upon us. A scripture that the Lord used very personally, Um, In my life, as Kevin and I were contemplating going into ministry about 18, 19 years ago, was Joshua 1, verses 7 to 9. The Lord made it so clear to me that at that time when we were contemplating picking up our young kids, filling up the minivan and the big truck to move from one province to another several hours down the highway, he put on my heart this scripture from Joshua 1. That scripture spoke to me 18, 19 years ago in such a powerful way and stuck with me all the way through these years of ministry. But I know, because I know, and I know, that that was not written for Danielle in 2006. That scripture was written to Joshua as he was preparing to enter into the promised land. But the cool thing is God used that scripture to go deep into my heart as I meditated on it, as I unknowingly memorized it, because I was going over it and over it and was being transformed by the Lord in and through it. So God used those words in Joshua to calm my spirit, and he was preparing our little family uh, for ministry. And that just goes to show how God's word truly is alive. He used it to speak to me, And he can use it to speak to you as well as you meditate on the word. He makes words jump off the page that really set our hearts leaping. And we go, God, what are you trying to say to me in and through this scripture? And when scriptures are hidden in our hearts, we can recall them back to mind when we need them. And the Lord can speak to us. So the Lord used that one to anoint me for his mission I was a very young believer at the time, and the very thought of being a pastor's wife was actually quite terrifying to me. Probably still is a little. (laughs) Every time I read that passage, though, it was like God was going deeper and deeper with his healing balm, his supernatural anointing into every place of anxiety that was deep inside of me. I can actually remember... Um, the anxiety being so strong one day that all I wanted to do was have a drink. That's all I wanted. And one day I reached for that drink and took a swig and I was stopped dead in my tracks because here I was contemplating us going into ministry and no problem, I could do that so long as I could just have a swig of of a drink to get through. Well, the Holy Spirit convicted me that that was not going to be the way. And I knew that was not the way that I wanted to go about this thing. And if we were called into ministry, then the Holy Spirit himself was going to have to bring his balm, bring his anointing, clean me up, do what he needed to do in and through me so that I could do what he was calling me to do. I knew right away it was Holy Spirit
1: conviction
0: that it wasn't going to be that way. And I needed his supernatural touch. And when he gave me Joshua 1, verses 7 to 9, he was anointing me through his scriptures as I meditated on them. As I remembered them day and night, he was reminding me that it wasn't really about me at all. It was all about him. He would be with me wherever I went. He would strengthen me. My job was to stay close to him, meditating, meditating, on his word day and night and obeying what he showed me are you afraid are you ever anxious or discouraged do you need a fresh anointing from the lord jesus wants to clean you up and why to send you out to a world that desperately needs what ministry that he does in us we need to provide for others We all need his anointing, whether we're in full-time ministry or we're figuring out life as ministry, our own lives, everyday life. We all have a call on our lives. So what's yours? Has he shown you yet? Have you stopped to listen? Have you asked him to give you a scripture to just hang on to for dear life and to continue coming back to? Has he cleaned you up? Have you let him do that work in you? Because Jesus cleans us up to send us out. So let me speak these verses over you. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a minute here and listen to the Lord. Greenbelt Church, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go keep this book of the law always on your lips meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything in it then you will be prosperous and successful have i not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be afraid Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. These two little verses, or three verses, might have hit you to the core of your being, just like they did for me all those years ago. They might be the very verses that you come back to over and over to let the Lord bolster your confidence. His confidence in and through you. It might be the very verses that do the healing work in those deep and swirling places of anxiety. They might be the very words that you put a stake in the ground for your ministry. The calling that the Lord has over your life in this season. I don't know. It might just have been a really refreshing bit of scripture reminding you of the goodness of god to joshua as he prepared to go in the promised land and that's awesome too that's the beauty of god's scripture his word is alive and he knows what you need for me it was a marker and i pray that if he has not done so for you already that your marker is coming That he will bring you a scripture that rocks your world and gives you the confidence to step out in ways that you never thought was possible. As your calling becomes clear and your life becomes your ministry. Here's what Rick Warren says in the foreword of 40 Days in the Word. God's word is unlike any other book. It is alive. When God speaks, your life will be transformed. But that can only happen by making the Bible The authoritative standard for your life, the compass you rely on for direction, the counsel you listen to for making wise decisions and the benchmark you use for evaluating everything. The Bible must always have the first and last word in your life. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. The Bible has power. The Bible has authority and the Bible speaks to us. If we're willing to listen, God will speak to us every day through his word. You don't even need to read pages and pages and pages to be like, God, speak to me. You might even be stuck on one verse that he just brings deeper and deeper into your soul. About eight years ago, 10 years after that first scripture that rocked my world, um, After receiving that anointing calling into ministry through Joshua, God gave me a more specific calling, and it came through Isaiah 61. It became clear to me that God had cleaned me up for a very specific purpose. Because our big idea, Jesus cleans us up to send us out. He anoints us. He sets us apart for ministry, his ministry. But he might put a very specific call on our lives. God actually caught my attention about eight years ago with some local circumstances. I was devastated at that time to learn of two teenagers that had been murdered just down the road from this very church in one very specific area of town and uh, where there was drugs and gangs and all sorts of things. And that just broke me. And I thought, here we are, maybe a kilometer, a kilometer and a half away. And we're the church. What difference does that make? Should it make a difference? Is there something for us? Is there a call for us as a congregation in that situation? God used that circumstance to really, like, break me and and shake me up a little bit. So inside our own walls, God does amazing work. But it's for a purpose. I don't begrudge insular ministry (laughs) in that sense there are times for it we need to be built up we need to as followers of jesus uh we need to be raised up in order like we have to be healed we have to be cleaned we have to be cleaned up in order to be sent out so it's good but then what right there's always a then what So in 2016, after a long journey of spiritual battle and God's healing, praise God, right here in these walls or right in your homes, um, God brought healing. And God gave me Isaiah 61 for the next season of ministry. We know that Jesus himself, as we read in Luke 4, used these verses in his sermon in the synagogue back home in Nazareth. Jesus gets up in the synagogue and reads from the scroll. The spirit of the the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news for the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then what did he do? He rolled back up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, he's sitting down now. He's not up front. (laughs) He's sitting, and he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Amen is right. That is the Jesus that we serve. He has fulfilled that very scripture. He has fulfilled the scriptures. Talk about the ultimate mic drop. That's Jesus. That's our Savior. Did I mention the word is alive? Scripture is the very word of God. And just a couple of weeks ago, we talked about in our sermon series, we learned that Jesus was the word jesus is the word and now here he is fulfilling the word let that sink in so what does that mean if you're a follower of christ if jesus has fulfilled that word that's who jesus is he is the one that cleans us up to send us out to proclaim good news, to bring freedom. He's that one who has brought all of that for for me and for you. And then, of course, we might feel like we want to hoard that. (laughs) I want to sit back and enjoy the goodness that Jesus has done in my life, but he cleans us up to send us out. So when God pointed my attention to Isaiah 61 over and over and over, In the midst of my own chaos and the chaos down the road, I knew right away what he was showing me. Jesus was the fulfillment of these scriptures. He had set the captives free, and he had released the prisoners. It was finished. (sighs) Had he not done all that for me as well? Of course he has. Has he not done all of that for you? Yes. This is what he's done for our church. As Jesus set you and me free from those dark places, from the anxiety, from my own hopelessness, the same way he has crowned me with beauty instead of ashes, I was to be his ambassador in that hurting community. And that's when the chaplaincy here, right here from Greenbelt began right down the road. And there's many of you who serve as a part of that chaplaincy. And it's a good, good thing. The word is in you. You have the very one who has fulfilled this very word in you. You have a calling. And it's simple. We've we've read it. Proclaim good news to the poor. Proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Sight for the blind. And set the captives free. This is the day of the Lord's favor. It's our job to remember, and I mean really remember in depth. We don't want to remember those those places of old, those dark places, but it's our job to remember our state when we were poor in spirit. Do you remember when you were a prisoner, and the Lord saw fit to set you free? How did it feel when you were groping about and couldn't see the way out of your circumstance? We, have all, we all have our own stories of darkness and our own stories of being set free, of Jesus opening prison doors, delivering us from what once had bound us so tightly. As you read Isaiah 61, let the words of this beautiful scripture touch those places where you once were. Remember yourself as the oppressed and worship Jesus for setting you free. Why? So that you can bring hope to the hopeless. So that you can show the way to beauty to those who are caught in ashes. What he does in you and what he does in me is not to be hoarded for ourselves. When we receive the gift of healing and deliverance in our lives, we have it to share with others. A broken and hurting world desperately needs what we have. What will be your anointing scripture? What are the verses you will rehearse over and over and let it change you? What will be your ministry passage? The verses that sink deeply into your heart and mind and that propels you to get out there. You don't have to wonder if we are called. We know we have a mission, but there might be a very specific mission that God is calling us to, and so we need to hear from him for that direction we all have a part to play recently the holy spirit brought me back to isaiah 61 eight years later after you know a a really awesome time of ministry even here in in these walls and outside in the community and the lord showed me isaiah 61 again and um He showed me there's many ways, and that's why I know there's a way for each of us to live out these verses in Isaiah 61. Many ways to fulfill that ministry that Jesus has for us. A few years ago, he he highlighted for me the ministry of safe families. And I was struck by the principle of love and hospitality for the stranger. Every time Pastor Kim would come here, I knew that there was something the Lord was doing in my heart, and I recently felt called, as Kevin mentioned, into this full-time ministry, into this movement, and um, at first I thought, no, that's not something I want to run into. It's, it's, It's not something that I myself would run into, but because the Lord has shown me that this is what I've called you into, he's the one that gives me the strength in order to do the ministry that he calls me to and is it always comfortable and always easy definitely not (laughs) definitely not there are times when you know it's really uncomfortable and really not easy but i can stand firm because the lord himself has spoken to me through his scriptures specific for danielle to say this is where i want you during this season So will you let the scriptures move you from the inside out for his purposes? Why don't we pray together? (laughs) Heavenly Father, I would just ask that you would point to each person if they could say that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon them. And, Lord, if they come up with an answer that no, then this day, Lord, would you you come in salvation and in cleansing and washing? And if that is you, I ask that you would pray along with me. Heavenly Father, I am broken. I have sin in my life. I have a great need for you as my Lord and Savior please forgive me and come into my life and set me free like I heard about this morning. Why? So that I can then help to set others free. And Lord, for those that would say no to, are you anointed to proclaim good news to the poor? I ask, Lord, that you would go in deep and show them their ministry each of us collectively as a church but also individually what you want to do in and through each of us because we are grateful for the cleansing work that you've done in us and so lord we just pray that you would move and you would show up in marvelous ways not in a way that overwhelms us but instead in a way that comforts us and shows us the way through peace and love and joy to be walking in and through you we pray in jesus name so perhaps the spirit has moved in you this morning and he's bringing anointing for your ministry to bring healing and comfort to those around you maybe maybe it's a role in safe families maybe it's something entirely different But in case the Lord is giving you uh, something or wanting to learn more about safe families, I've asked um, my colleague Debbie to come up and for us to um, share a little bit about what that is. And then we will be in the uh, back in the cafe afterwards. We'll be at a table there if you'd like to come and learn more. So thank you, Debbie,
2: for coming. Great. (laughs) Yeah.
0: This is Debbie McPhail.
2: And Danielle did not know, but but uh, Isaiah 61 is one of my favorite passages. So thank you for sharing that this morning. So my name is Debbie McSail, and I have recently started in the role of the Ottawa chapter director of Safe Families Canada. I've been involved with Safe Families here in Ottawa since its inception four and a half years ago. First by my engaging my home church um, as a participating church, then I became a ministry lead at my church, then I became a family coach, um, and I served on the leadership council. All that time, I didn't realize that God was preparing me to step into the role of chapter director great so um did you do that
0: oh thank you (laughs) yeah we talked about i don't need to introduce myself because i i already did that part but uh, yes god has also called me into this role as you know from this place Greenbelt, where you have poured into me and where now i have the opportunity to pour into others and so um the Ottawa chapter of Safe Families is currently one of 16 chapters across the country, spanning um, four provinces, and we are growing. We're growing like crazy, having launched three new chapters so far just this year. There are
2: many new developing chapters across Canada. but We have a massive problem in Canada, and the church, God's people, are the solution. Because according to the Children's Aid Foundation, there's an estimated 300,000 children in Canada at risk of neglect or abuse. These are children who are known to the Child Welfare Agency, so presumably this number is probably much higher. Countless families today in our city have no one. They're socially isolated. Their families are growing up with fathers, without mothers, without extended family nearby, And we know from statistics that children who grow up in a family traumatized by crisis become especially at risk for neglect and abuse, as well as conflict with the law. They become involved with the foster care system. They face addiction. They drop out of school, and they're at risk of sex trafficking. So who are we? Well, God is using safe families as a viable, respected, preventative measure in our country, thus reducing the number of children entering the child welfare system. Safe Families Canada is a movement of volunteers, motivated by compassionate faith, that creates extended family-like supports to desperate families. This helps us to keep children safe and families together. And we have this God-sized vision to create a world where children are safe and families are transformed through radically compassionate communities. So we have four main objectives. The first is family support and stabilization. Because many parents are struggling, because they don't have these social supports and available extended family, host families become the extended family that a parent never had, as does the local church organization, congregation. So I'll just give you a quick example. I visited a family back in May. They had had a fire in their home. Four days later, gave a birth by C-section. Mom has third-degree burns down her leg, And I'm visiting in the hospital, and the nurse says, oh, who are you? Are you family? And I was about to explain who I was, and this mom and dad said, well, she's the closest thing to family we have. No one else had been up to visit them. Our second objective is child welfare deflection. Say families is a solution. We want to reach families before their circumstances get to that critical point where it warrants intervention. We believe children should not be raised in a system they need to be raised in family our third objective is child abuse prevention so by providing that overwhelmed and resource limited parent with safe temporary place for their child without the threat of losing the custody of their child we know that we can avert potential abuse and neglect episodes and then our fourth one is strengthening the compassion ministries of the church Participation in Safe Families provides churches with the opportunity to apply the Lord's commands to care for family. Some call it a movement of compassion. Others respond to the idea of returning to biblical hospitality, which in Greek actually means the love of a stranger. Both concepts are embodied in the acts of loving a child, mentoring a parent, or supporting the movement with goods and services. I like to think of it as Safe Families is this beautiful connection between the church and the community. The church has the heart to serve, but you often don't know the who and the how. Well, we know at Safe Families, we know the who and we know the how. And so together, we can work together and surround families.
0: Great. Well, we, am I still on? <laughs> <laughs> Hello? We all know the scripture well, I think. James 1, 27, religion that is pure and undefiled uh, before God the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So how does Safe Families put that into action? We surround families with caring, compassionate community. We call that our circle of support. So it starts with a Safe Families church. And this is a church that adopts that mission and mandate of Safe Families. And the church becomes a beacon of light in the community. We partner uh, together to serve families in our city. And a ministry lead is the point person within a church. They help to recruit volunteers, share the vision, and act as liaison between the church and the Safe Family staff. So one way we support uh, families in crisis is through host families. Host families open their homes and uh, temporarily care for children while parents would have the opportunity and space that they need to work through their crisis. Some people find that that's a little too far down the, down the road, and so we do have other roles, roles like family friends who are volunteers who come alongside a mom and dad, and uh, just like you would do with friends in a similar situation, as Debbie was just sharing a couple of minutes ago. We also have family coaches who are skilled volunteers to help families in crisis reach their goals. Uh, Family coaches also provide help to host families and family friends who are um, helping alongside for a family in crisis. Resource friends. I've come to love resource (laughs) friends because we've been using them a lot these past few days or past few weeks. They're volunteers who provide tangible support through goods and services, could be giving diapers or giving clothing or strollers or meals. But some other ways that we've seen that we can uh, help support is maybe helping to build a crib or delivering, you know, something from one place to another um, or helping with, you know, looking after somebody for a, for a short period of time. And so that, that's been really good to see different ways that people can help and support. There's also Safe Family Champions, people who partner with uh, the ministry financially as monthly donors, businesses who enter into corporate social responsibility agreements, and business sponsorships for events.
2: The entirety of scripture is about God moving towards the vulnerable. It's about what Danielle shared earlier, right? God's doing this work in us to send us out. God wants us to move towards those who are struggling, those who are pushed aside by society, those who we might call systematically broken people. But aren't we all broken? Weren't we all broken at one point? But God has fulfilled that Isaiah 61 in us so that we can believe that God will do that for others. So we can love first because he loved us. It's the church being the church. So we'd like to just end with a video. And then as Danielle said, you can come and see us in the cafe afterwards. But this is a video about one of our local family friends.
1: So my name is Sherry Moffitt and I am a family friend through Safe Families and I've been assigned a family uh, named Martin and Adriana who have twin boys that are four years old. And my role as a family friend is just come alongside them and help them.
3: We were having a really hard time with the boys, uh, the two of us, because they are twins, they are very hyper, very active. We had a meeting at CAS, you know, some training, and we met somebody there that is part of your group, Safe Family. She said, maybe, you know, the group can help you. And uh, and then we reached right away.
1: I am so thankful with Micheli. We feel blessed with
3: Michelle. And the boys, they love her. They love her. Like, she is a very, very special person. She's been part of their life. It's basically like we, we have a new family member. Yeah. Not only Miss Sherry, but also her family, her husband, her you know, children. So we, we feel that we acquire a new family.
1: What I really love is just how our families have sort of come together. Like, I love that um, you've met all of my family. And uh, I love that your boys know my two boys. When well, we were complete strangers, but now we're great friends. Yes. <laughs> all times with Miss Cherry, I am happy, I am comfortable, always. So thankful We're having lots of great conversations about God and about knowing Jesus, um, and so that's been really awesome to just to develop our friendship because I completely consider you as a very dear friend of mine now. Somebody who's considering uh, being a volunteer with Safe Families, I would tell them to absolutely go for it. Like you know. Martin and Adriana, I love them to pieces, and they're always telling me, "Oh, Sherry, you're such a blessing. You're such a blessing." But the truth is that they have blessed me far more than I have blessed them.
3: The experience we, we are having, you know, with Mrs. Sherry is uh, is amazing. Like we couldn't ask for it.